There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sheila Shoiga. Welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. This week's guest is a fifth generation herbalist and a true sporting legend. Sean Boylan's 23 years as Meath football manager led them to four All-Irelands and gained him his reputation as an iconic leader. A lot of people who go to the Hill of Tower are disappointed. They're disappointed because um, it's so simple. And yet from it you can see seven counties. Um, and if you give yourself the time, there's a wind, and there's an energy in the place uh, like nowhere else. And it's like, it's a sacred place. And when we would train there, we would go around the whole way around it, do you understand? And finish up in what was called the banqueting hall, right? Mm. Uh, when you when you go up the top, there's St. Patrick is there, right? And there's 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 the, the big long wide space as like a rectangle. And that was the banqueting hall. And um, you could just feel the energy coming back into your bones, but also it was knowing who you are, what you are, and uh, the patches of great saying, we are what we are, but we are what we were also. There's so much to say about Sean, I barely know where to start. His expertise and the richness of his heritage is truly fascinating. His father was also a herbalist and a prominent member of the Irish Republican movement in the early years of the 20th century. And today, Sean carries on the work of his ancestors, along with his dedicated team at Dunboyne Herbs Farm and Clinic. He's married to Tina and they've six children. And due to the coronavirus pandemic, he's currently cocooning at home. We sat down to have a chat last year. And during the conversation, he spoke about his deep faith, his parents. He also spoke about his own family, his recovery from cancer and the healing powers of nature. He is a wise and brilliant man. And it was an honour to be in his company. Sean, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. Sheila, I'm delighted to be here. Absolutely looking forward to it. You know what I was thinking is, how am I going to cram in everything I want to ask and explore in in about an hour or so with you? But look, let's give it a go. Um, if you don't mind me asking at the beginning there, I've, I've asked a few people about their rituals or their yes. habits, particularly when you deal with people who I suppose have, like we all do, regardless of what industry we're in, there's almost like a, a, a public persona, the person who like this sits down to do an interview or a school teacher has to stand up in front of uh, their students or somebody who has to give a talk on a stage or a performer or whatever. You you had your own little process there before we actually started speaking on, on the mic. Um, if it's not too personal, can not I ask? All, no, I, I, um, I just love the memorare. It's a prayer, I say. And uh, I've always done that. And um, um, 
if I ever needed sort of proof of how important it is that those that moment or whatever it is it was some years ago I was in Toulouse with the Irish uh, international rules team and uh, the second night that we were there Trevor Brennan and Gareth Thomas were with us and uh, I happened to ask Gareth at this stage he was the first Welsh man to have 100 caps yeah. what was it like when he got picked for Wales first and um, he started talking about what it was like when he got picked for his club and to play rugby was all he ever wanted to do mm. And um, then he got picked for Wales and he was given the jersey. And uh, you're given a cap, but you're given the jersey as well. So he brings the jersey home the first night and he puts it on and it was the old jersey with the buttons on it. So he closed the buttons, he's looking in front of the mirror and he opened them again and he did the same again. And he said, I did my hair and I had hair at the time. And I looked the real dandy, he said, right in it. Yeah. But he said, it's a strange thing happened to me when I was looking at that mirror, he said, I could see my grandfather and I could see my father and they were minors and they the ventilation wasn't great the air conditioning was, wasn't the thing at the time at all so they couldn't wait to get up out of the mines they could, out of the pits mm. to clear their lungs and they cleared their lungs by playing rugby and then he said the last thing that struck me he said when I was watching that mirror was and it was something I did for the rest of my career was be thankful for who I am I just saw myself in the mirror nobody else warts and all I saw Gareth Thomas and that's all I could ever be and um, subsequently it helped him address many many things in his life but every dressing room he was ever in for the remainder of his career he gave himself that to us that nobody would distract him and I remember saying to the lads at the time and so many of them spoke to me about it afterwards I know certainly um, when I would, you know, because I wouldn't have the greatest head of hair in the morning, like it was a rub of a cloth nearly, you know what I mean? And you'd just say, you know, just you rub your face, wash your face and so on. You hardly looked in the mirror at all. But it's fierce important when you look at it, just to see it as it is and be thankful for it. And I just think it's, it's, it's just brilliant. And that's why I do it. Yeah, well, I can completely resonate with that because yeah. it, I have my own, my, own, my own process as well. I think most of us do, but it yeah. is so important Sometimes we forget to do the simple thing and just check in with ourselves. Yes, yeah. You as a young lad, what okay. were you like? Were you a messer or were you well behaved? Um, were you a bit of both? I was a bit of both and I was mad and I never I never sat easy. And I had five sisters and mum and dad. And, there were um, six of you at home? There were six, six of us at home, yeah. yeah. And my dad was 28 years older than my mother. But it was I was... Um, 17 years of age before I realised that he was much older than I thought he was. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but that, those early, all I wanted to do was, a bo I wanted a ball. I loved being out with Jack Moore and Mick Riley, out with the cows or over the cattle, and, um, but particularly out with the herbs and pulling herbs and washing bottles and people were always calling to the door. And it's funny how your life, you, you grow up with this. Um, for years I would never talk about it. Never Why? talk about it. Um, um, when I was <clears throat> 16 and a half, I went to Warrenstown Agricultural College, Horticultural College. And I was um, six weeks at the college and the rector, Father Collins, met me in Cluny one day at the bus shop. And uh, he would have had no dealings directly with the students because he was the rector, right? And he wasn't the headmaster or anything like that. But he was an absolute legend in Irish agriculture. He brought education to Irish farming, where very often it happened that the lad who wasn't too smart was kept at home. The, the, these lads all... Became, became really well educated and so on and um, I just said hello to him and he went out left and he said Sean isn't it I said it is can I talk to you for a moment he said are you getting those cures from your father now I had five sisters at home I'm in a college with 140 lads we work from morning till night and we're in, we're, in, we're, in, we're in classes the football the hurling the camaraderie, sure. something that I would never have experienced. So what am I going to do when this is over? Never thought for one moment of what went on and so on. Anyhow, he said to me, do you mind if I talk to Brother James? That's Brother James O'Hare, who's still alive, thanks be to God, a Salesian brother. And um, a couple of days later, I'm called in. So I end up doing three days agriculture and three days horticulture. Talk about foresight. This is 1961. This is about November, October, November, 1960, mm -hmm. I should say. You know, and that is the things that change are fast in your life. So then when it came towards the end of the year, I rang home one night. We were after getting a phone at home and daddy answered the phone. And suddenly realised it was like the voice of an old man. And it shocked me, it frightened me in a way. And um, 
I went back in and I thought about things in a way I never did before. And I looked for permission to use the phone because there were so many others there. You, you got your minute to use the phone, or a couple of minutes to use the phone. Mm. And Father Cochran says, yes, certainly, Sean Fairhead. And um, Daddy answered the phone and said, listen, um, I was there at a scholarship, listen, I said, I'm coming home to give you a hand for a few weeks. And all he said was very good. And that was the start of me doing what I do at home. Now, when I was very young. So was it a case that somewhere inside he kind of knew you were going to come back anyway, do you think? I would say so, because when I was very young, he showed me something in my hands that yeah. I would know if it was a kidney problem or a nerve problem or whatever. And I thought this was absolute nonsense, to be quite honest with you. Passed no remarks, nearly dismissed it, do you know what I mean? Mm. And um, so that very night I came home, Mammy had a really rough night with Daddy. He had an awful, he'd, he'd have to get pneumonia, wasn't well at all. So what age was he at this point? 80. Okay. I was 17. Yeah. Okay. And um, a man came in to see Daddy uh, in for a bottle, a man called Jimmy Chambers. He often told the story, that's why I can tell it. And he was to have one kidney removed to save the other with tuberculosis. And I saw the effect of the herbs in three quarters of an hour. And so whatever that thing is that I have from that day on, it foremostly got the all clear, stayed in the herbs for 11 months. And from then on, that was the start of me doing what I was doing at home. Mam was extraordinary. Like she was 28 years younger than and um, the patients, it's a shocking thing to say, but I never heard one, I never heard them once have words. If anything was wrong in the house, ask your mother. If the mother was the head of the house, she, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the way it was, whatever your mother said. And um, when people would come then sort of for bottles and uh, like Sean O'Sheacon told a great story one time. He was going back down to West Cork and somebody asked him to bring down a couple of bottles from home. And uh, I think it was Phil who answered the front door and um, she opens the door and she said, are you looking for a pension or are you looking for a bottle? He said, I'll take both, right? And, <laughs> and, that's, and that's, what, that's what went on. But that's what you were brought up with. Let's talk about the, the, the bottles, the tinctures. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, all yeah, of yeah, it yeah, Because yeah, yeah, yeah. for those maybe listening that are going, herbalist, I have an idea maybe what it is, but I don't really. Can you break it down in very simple language as to what it is? Because as you said, your father was fourth generation, you're fifth generation. So it's 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 in it's in your blood, it's in your DNA, yeah. it's in your being, and it goes right back. Sure. Um, is it is it a gift, or is it is it something that you you learn, or is it a combination? It's it's a combination. It's an art form. It's a science. Um, I I never taught for years, and the reason I never taught it was protecting it. You can also imagine if you're 17 or 18, you're 19, you're going out and people say, what are you? I'm a herbalist. It was much easier to say, I'm working at home on the farm. Right. right? Yeah. And then um, I got a phone call from a man called Dr. Malcolm Stewart from Cambridge for Professor Haywood in the, in the World Health Organization. They were setting up an economic and medicinal plant research body in the WHO. And um, there were two people from 27 different countries. And I was one of the people asked. And I remember at the very first meeting in, in uh, Christ the King College in Cambridge. I'm the only non-medic there. What am I doing here? Professor Geary from Galway with the seaweed, he was there. Um, what am I doing here? And then a man called Conrad Gorinsky, he was Professor of Medicine at St. Bartholomew's in London. He got up to speak and he spoke about his experiences as a young physician working in, in, the, in the Amazon, working with the pygmies, working with the little people and how they would like shoot the deer and they would get these arrows and they would dip them in crocodile's liver and they would shoot the, shoot the deer. But they, they weren't killed from the crocodile's liver and the head of the arrow. They actually anesthetized them. Mm. So the time to cull them or whatever needed to be done. But then those old cures and remedies that were there. And then he started thinking about quinine and curare, how the monographs were written, you know, 50 years before Christ. And they apply today. And he ended up his talk by saying, you know, he said, we owe more to our heritage than to walk away from it. And that changed everything. From then on, I talked about it. And it was like, you're ready. Do you understand? And what age are you at that point? I would have been, I'd say, maybe 27, 28, 29 years yeah. of age. That must have been a, a big milestone in your life. It, it was. Feeling like you could yeah, fully embrace yeah, who you were. Yeah, And um, I always remember Austin Dara. remember Professor Dara years and years ago, Professor of Medicine Clinical Pharmacology. He would say, with Sean Herod, was an art form, became a science, but the science was always there. Plants always had a chemistry. I remember after Daddy died, going back, going back to study and talking to Mammy. I want to go and do medicine. The back of my skull until I was thirty-seven. All I ever wanted to be was a Cistercian monk. That's all I ever wanted to be. And but I have to do this. And um, three times I tried to go back to study, and I couldn't leave what I was at at home. 
And I made just, I made this huge, it was my life, it is my life, I made a huge study of it. And um, oh, years later, I was, it was an awful bad case up the north. 57 times I went up. And this particular Friday night, night I came back, arrived at home in a dense fog about half five, five in the morning. Mother came down to the kitchen, we had a cup of tea and brown bread and the usual, talking away. And she said, how is she? I said, don't like her. This girl was only 24. And, um, oh, her adrenals were beginning to shut down. It was from annoyance that she had used externally, not from me, right? Sure. But it was a steroid cream at the time. And um, um, she was supposed to use one tube a month. She was using eight a week. Anyhow, um, I said I shouldn't really have come down. She said, why did you come down? Because I have to see people today. But she said, I'll see them for you. And I'd forgotten about my mum, having worked with my dad. Oh, she said, I couldn't have you doing that. Why wouldn't you? She said, only give me a hand, right? So at half seven, I got in the car and I went up back up the north. And on the Sunday morning, I realised about eight o'clock, this girl is fine. She's turned the corner. And I came down to as far as the monastery in Colin. Mm. And we did a set prayer. And I met this huge, big monk from Texas hands as big as shovels, called Gillicrease, right? And um, he just said, you pray for me and I'll pray for you. And I remember going in and they were at Matins or whatever it was that the monks were at. And I came out as contented as the day is long. I need a God, I need a God in the world. And from then on, it was just, I knew that I had to do what I had to do. And, um, but ironically, um, you know, I still would read the works of Thomas Merton. You know, mm-hmm. that famous, the famous Cistercian monk and uh, one of the best pals. He teaches meditation all over the world, a man called Lawrence Freeman. He's a Benedictine monk. Mm-hmm. So when I talked years ago at home to the men working with me at home, Jack Moore and Mick Riley saying, you know, I want to be a Cistercian. They said, join the Benedictines to make their own wine. You know what I mean? <laughs> the perks, the, the perks. perks. The perks, yeah. I love it. You mentioned Tara, the Hill of Tara. Yeah. So I want to just maybe... Talk about the significance, because huge significance in your family as well. Mm. And obviously for any of us living here, you know, the second we think about Tara, it's it's shrouded in myth and legend yeah. and it's uh, it's a sacred space and a sacred yeah. place. And, uh, you know, so talk to us a little bit about that. Is it true or am I completely off? Did I hear somewhere that when you used to, when you were the Meath football manager, there was training sessions that occasionally were you were, you brought them to the Hill of Tara. Am I right in thinking that? Absolutely right, yeah. Okay, um, I'd love to hear more about this. I'm fascinated. Yeah. Um, um, when I would do with Beath first, the lads that were there, they were so physically strong because they were all doing manual work. There were only a couple of the lads who were in college. And um, For those listening, <clears> and I'm sure there are not many, but if, if, if they are and they're not necessarily sporting fans or GA fans, you were the manager of the football Meath football team for 23 years that's right yeah and yeah. they were iconic years in, we, we do fondly know them as, as yeah. the Boylan years let's go back to Tara yeah. and, uh, and those training sessions and what you did was was revolutionary at the time yet and, and we're talking about it now mindfulness has yeah. become yeah. a real buzzword people are, are yeah. jumping on and, and realising there's something in this but I suppose they're the laws of nature. They've always been the there. Laws of nature. Go back to the very start. Gareth Thomas, you know, freeing yeah. your mind and handing yeah. it over. You know what I mean? Handing it over. Love yeah. it. Yes. And um, um, a lot of people who go to the Hill of Tara are disappointed. They're disappointed because um, it's so simple. And yet from it, you can see seven counties. Um, and if you give yourself the time, there's a wind and there's an energy in the place uh, like nowhere else. And it's like, it's a sacred place. And when we were trained there, we would go around the whole way around it, do you understand? And finish up in what was called the banqueting hall, right? Mm. Uh, when you when you go up the top, there's St. Patrick is there, right? And there's, there's, there's the, the big, long, wide space. It's like a rectangle. And that was the banqueting hall. And um, you could just feel the energy coming back into your bones. But also it was knowing who you are, what you are. And um, the Apaches have a great saying, we are what we are, but we are what we were also. Mm. And that's so true. And um, one of my longest memories would be in 1948, they were um, celebrating, they were remembering the 1798 rebellion. And the Irish army and a man called Anu McMaster, a very, very famous uh, actor, they were... um, 
of, but on a pageant, there were seven half thousand members of the of the of the force, and Miss De Valera was there. It was the president, or Miss Shanting Kelly was there, and so was Miss De Valera, the Taoiseach, and um, seven half thousand people there, on, uh, involved in it. So, why am I saying that? To see this people arriving, it gave you a sense, and that never left the magnitude of it, and what it must have been like when it was Tarnarie, and. Um, it was it was extraordinary, and um, but very often a lot of those places, you wouldn't have that sense of goodness that's in it. But it was like it was like the start of a freedom, looking over at Slane where the Paschal fire was lit, and um, it was it take you can't quantify. You see, you can't quantify your soul. You can't quantify your energy, who you are, whatever it is, and um, oh, you might know where you come from, but you come from somewhere, you know, and somebody has, somebody has made you. And it's a way of remembering all of that. And what we would find would, would be because in our county, the soils would be very heavy. And um, a lot of the training you might want to do too heavy, pull the legs out of you. And yet you go there. And what were you trying to find? Were you trying to find who'd be the quickest up or the quickest down? No, you were trying to find a depth within yourself that realisation, like even that when we were fortunate enough to beat Dublin in 1986, first time we'd won Leinster in 16 years, the realisation I haven't played Kerry in the other the semi-final. My God, we have to be about 10 points better to be able to win a semi-final next year. And the lads were just brilliant. And the work that we did there and some of the nights that were terrible nights and the lads trying to light storm lamps up beside St. Patrick, do you know what I mean, right? Um, so that you see to follow that light. But it built a bond and a camaraderie that has sustained to this day. The closeness that's with those lads is quite extraordinary. And there's certain things you won't break. And it wasn't so much all about that sort of 87, 88 squad. They probably got more credit for the All-Irelands that were beaten in 90 and 91 because of their endurance and the graciousness with which they took that. You know what I mean? It mm -hmm. was, um, it was more than winning. It was, you know, we're, we, it's, it's like getting back your identity. And um, it was fierce important for us because it had been so long and economically things were in an awful state. And, you know, back in the 80s, people wouldn't realise it. So, such unemployment, 17% of the population, 23% of our county. That's an enormous number. And yet suddenly, because everybody had to do without um, you, you managed it and it was like the metal was still involved you helped mm. each other out yeah. but then you win in All-Ireland and you're holy God but the lads will tell you that the part that um, the Hill of Tara played was just couldn't question it if tomorrow morning I was like uh, I would tell people who say who would have came up go up the Hill of Tara or go up into the mountains to get, have to get the energy back sit in your car do you know what I mean you might be able to walk but it really helps to bring that energy, that natural energy back. So you can imagine if you're talking about, you know, sort of wellness or whatever it is, or mindfulness or meditation, or whatever, and you're in a space like that and you're asking for nothing. You're just there and it's been given to you. And it's a bit like blotting paper and take it with an open heart. And that's that's really what helps you bring you to, the, to that next place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, the, like now we have terms for things that I, I love being barefoot. I love, oh. you know, lo nothing more than just getting yeah. out in nature if I'm yeah. feeling a bit stressed because I feel that it's like I'm dumping yeah. whatever. You're being earthed. Yeah, exactly. Being and earthed. I, fe I feel, yeah. 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 We're very lucky. We have six children and, um, and thank God they're all well. But um, they're no different than any other children. And nowadays, with technology, one of the things that children are really getting hard to find is time for silence. Mm. Getting hard to find time for silence. Um, but not even children. Us. I mean, I, I'm a 40 year old woman. Yeah. I find I struggle sometimes to find the moment yeah. of silence because it's always distractions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so giving yourself that time it, it is, is so important. So, it is so important. Yeah. And uh, there was a great study done in one of the hospitals in Dublin, in the A&E. It was on doing a Christian meditation program. And uh, they did it for six weeks in the A&E. And they couldn't believe the people who were working there, how much easier it was for them. And uh, some of the patients started doing it, so they repeated the program. And what a smart thing to do, mm. you know, because um, 
if if that mind is free, like um, it's amazing what it, it can help you find. And it's the indefinable thing, you know, that the rule said you're not supposed to be around in another month or two months. You know, it's like years ago, you know, somebody got TB or somebody got cancer. They were death sentences. But thanks be to God Almighty, so much of that has changed. Mm. But it's not all by chance. You know, um, you had science, you had research, you had luck, people coming across different things. Like if somebody should say to you, the original chemo from the yew tree, go into every churchyard in Ireland, this deadly poisonous plant, you know what I mean? You know, but again, sometimes the old Irish saying, what can do harm can do good, right? Yes, yeah. Who was to say to you that warfarin, which was used as a rat poisoning, the amount of people that it was helped as a blood thinner, do you know what I mean? Mm. Before the before anticoagulants were ever heard, so, you know, and that's why I'm saying that because it's all part of it's all yeah. part of it's all part of nature. So you've mentioned your wife Tina and your six kids a yeah. few times there, and I, I just want to talk about that because also, um, you know, there are a lot of parallels I suppose with you and your dad yes. in that no more than yourself he yeah. became a dad late enough in life yeah, yeah. Um, yourself and Tina your t- your paths crossed at various points. For years and years before you decided to actually get together. Um, So you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You were, were, um, were right in thinking you were about 47 when you married. I was. Yeah. <laughs> Young man. <laughs> you had to make sure you were, exactly. Hey, what is, what yeah. is time? What is age? Yeah, yeah, what does it all yeah, mean? Yeah. But you had to make sure you, you are, you were obviously very sure at 47. I, I was and yet when I'm at the altar beforehand, suddenly comes into my head, can I put Tina through this? Maybe I'm in a wheelchair in 20 years. Is this fair to her? And, without and that was because Tina uh, was younger. Yeah, she's 18 years younger. And she just puts her hand on me. Mm. We'd be fine. We'd be grand. Right? And the way it all happened, like, you know, Tina, she had done nursing. Yeah. And um, she was involved and joined the Daughters of Charity. She loved the work of Vincent de Paul, her eldest son, Sean. Even though on his birth certificate down to Sean O, we actually christened him Sean Vincent because of Vincent de Paul. Okay. And the works of Vincent de Paul. And she worked for the Daughters of Charity. And she loved the work. And um, she got an emigration as a nurse to go to Australia. And uh, she was in home, which would be normal. I said, I don't, know what, I don't know what to feel about going to Australia. And uh, I just said to her, sure, maybe, maybe you'll think of hanging around for a while with me, with you. And with that, two o'clock in the morning, the doorbell rings. Her next door neighbour, Owen Lynch, who worked with me, who Ronnie Keg was after dying. Okay. And a great neighbour and friend, and so he's very upset. Right. And uh, Tina said, look, I'm making tea and I'm going home. And it was two weeks, even though she lived in the village before I saw her. And I just said, um, did you think any more about what I said to you? She said, were you asking me to marry you? What did I think about it? Right. All right. She said, should we have a go at it? And that was the courtship. Yeah, our romantic. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was it. And it's, how and you, it's, how yeah. you fix there, Tina? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Leave you home with the bar of the bike. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. she, so she. After that initial, you saying, you know, yeah. would you not, would you not, you know, give it a, a second thought? Yeah. That was you actually saying, I have feelings for you. Yeah. I want to make a life with you. Yeah. Yeah. So you were expecting her to read between the lines, basically, was it? It was a afraid to ask. Yeah, it was a afraid to ask. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and um, oh, 
Maybe. So, so you were that was you putting yourself out there, it was, even yeah. saying that. It was yeah, yeah. You know, because you know the funny thing is like, for the years earlier, I'd never let myself become very serious with anybody because it was always going to be a Cistercian monk. You know, that was it. It's mad. Yeah, is it, yeah, but isn't it mad that you kept putting it off, and there was yeah. something that kept pulling you back yeah. to another life? And obviously, as you said, like your your connection to your your calling, yeah. uh, being a herbalist, yeah. and yeah. and yeah. and all the people that you were helping. So come here. So you married very quickly. From that first initial, yeah, we got that was that was this. in August. Um, got engaged in October. We got married in December, twenty second December, the, the night after the All Star match. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> perfect timing. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Shawnee then um, the following, um, um, oh, in nineteen ninety two, Sean was born. That was in nineteen ninety. We got married. Fair play, yeah, and then and yeah. then and then another five followed after that. Yeah, and then Kieran and um, then Dara. Yeah, and then Jiren. Yeah. And you've Eva and you've Oren. So you were saying Oren is 16. He was 16 30th of September. And yeah. and, 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 uh, and Sean Oga is uh, 27. 27 now. 27, yeah. yeah. And you, at this point in your life, you're a, a 75-year-old man. Yeah. Young, I should say. Yeah. You're flying about. Literally, actually, as I was meeting Sean downstairs, I could just see this man sprinting. I mean, sprinting towards me, going through the crowd. And I was like, that can't be him. Yes, it was him. I have a lot to be thankful for. You yeah. know, when I got that tumour 11 years ago, you know, the medicine had to go on. It was a testosterone-driven one. Your muscles all waste. And within six months, my right knee dislocated, then my left one dislocated. And... Um, it was prostate cancer. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a tumour. But they thought originally that it was a tumour in my spine. Okay. It was some abnormality I was born with. But I pulled a muscle in my back... And um, a girl came in home, Avian Magner. I hadn't seen Avian for years. We hugged each other. But 20 years, we hadn't seen each other. And I pulled this, I got, oh, put a muscle in my back. And um, my backside. And, uh, oh, I had an appointment with Ray Moore on the following um, Wednesday. Every year, I went for a checkup for my left knee, a, a war wound from football. And um, so I rang Lisa Gallon's secretary, and she said, no, come on over, you have a look at you. Mm. And... Uh, he doesn't know why he said, you know, we'll have a scan. And um, the following Wednesday when I was in with him, you know, you're meeting Liam Grogan in the morning at seven o'clock. You have a tumour. He threw his arms around Tina and arms around me. And I'm thanking him. Tina wants to hit him. Do you know what I mean? I'm mm -hmm. glad to know because I had, I had no symptom of it. Yeah. And um, so uh, it started a whole new world. And um, but the big thing was by nature, I would have always been really placid. So when I went on this medication, the very first day I took it, I said, this isn't right. Oh, this isn't right at all. And um, short, snappy, everything I never was. And I remember saying to the kids, because there was no point in telling them what I had, Sean and Kieran, yes, but the other four we didn't. And um, uh, don't mind if a bit short or a bit snappy. Now, the first time you do it or second time, that's not so bad. Then you're just a contrary outfit. But you try telling to somebody who's not five or somebody who's not seven or Darren mm -hmm. who's just, you know, who's, who's, she's not even, she's not even nine years of age. You know what I mean? Um, and Dara wasn't even 11. So um, it was, it was a big change. It was a fascinating change because um, it was something that we didn't know what it was. It was like foreign. And um, so I was lucky to have work and uh, I was lucky um, in that Mr. Grogan said I would be suitable for a certain type of treatment that was quite new at the time and he sent me over to Mr. Marrow over in the matter and um, it was um, brachytherapy and um, I always remember um, um, from the way the hormone was that winter there was awful snow and it was minus seven, and we're at midnight mass, <laughs> and I'm there, and uh, I'm in my short sleeve with the sweat's pouring off me. I'm like someone who's menopausal, <laughs> you know, never, never mind premenstrual, right? Mm -hmm. And um, but it was some experience, you know, and uh, uh, it was just, it was, it was great, and it was an awful, like you can imagine, Tina, you know, the kids at the age, the age they are, this happening. It can't have been an easy ride for her at all, and. Um, it was it was it was tough out. Yeah. And at the time, um, we were told tell your family, tell the people to work with you, and that's what we did. 
So we never talked about it because... I didn't realise it was that serious. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. Okay. This was embedded, yeah, yeah. And uh, right. collaborated. But um, why I'm saying that is because, um, you know, with no disrespect to her own family or to her family, sometimes there are people outside you need to talk to. Of course, absolutely. And yeah. haven't been told where we were, we didn't do that. And um, that must have been awful tough on herself because for that first six months, uh, Tina must have smoked nearly 30 cigarettes a night. Yeah. She hasn't smoked since for that six months. And that was, you know, she lost about seven kilo. Mm. And again, you're trying to keep carry on as if nothing is wrong because the four younger ones don't know. And in the September, Dara was told. And, um, you know, um, but again, what is it's a name? They don't know what the, the seriousness of it or the consequences are. So um, that went on. And how uh, long was your treatment then? From the, the treatment, time you were the, told? The, 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 the radiotherapy went on for about five months. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, five six weeks, and um, made an extraordinary recovery, brilliant recovery. And can, like, I mean, I know you're probably holding back a, a tad, and maybe somebody outside of you would be would be able to share more in terms of or feel comfortable in saying how you were able to apply your own knowledge of of the herbs and how they assisted your own, I suppose, your own treatment and how yeah. they complemented it. Yeah, and didn't interfere. And didn't interfere, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but um, it was like mentally, spiritually, physically. That's mm. the way you had to attack it. And, um, oh. And that's the thing about a cancer diagnosis. It, it's not just, you know. No. It, it, you know, for a lot of people, you initially think of the physical and the treatment yeah. and the operations yeah. or whatever it is. But for me, personally speaking, yeah. it was far more how it impacted my thoughts and how I yeah. felt about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than it yeah. was the obvious yeah. physical, yeah. you know. But she is not extraordinary um, what it opens up for you. For sure. The other way you meet people who might be, they might be terminal. Yeah. They're inspirational people. They so are. They are unbelievable. Like they're like in another world, mm. and like they're sort of caring and, and you know. Um, There's a level of enlightenment, I think, as oh, well yeah, that comes yeah. with that realization that you know we can't run for this. And yeah. the truth is, I suppose, as as human beings, it's yeah. a fact for all of us. Yeah. Yet we live as if we're never going to die. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that lack of acceptance that actually death is inevitable for all of us. Yeah. And if we really embrace it, then we can really live. But it shows, and that's what you get with yeah. people, as you said. And it shows you how much you have to live. For sure. Yeah. Like, um, there was a young boy, I know, his mother and father, made Ellen Brian, my said, Mark Owens. One of the most extraordinary cancers you've ever come across and his journey in the States and here and everything else. But inspirational beyond all. Like, this man lived a thousand lives. Mm. He was 21 or 22 years of age. But, like... Um, inspired a nation you know what I mean and, yes. and you get people like, you get people like that there are so many of them oh, oh yeah. that's absolutely true yeah Donald Walsh yeah. being one of them oh, as well stop. you know Just I don't think any of us who ever saw that interview that Brendan O'Connor did will ever forget no. his words his wisdom no. No. his grace yeah um, incredible and it is it's something yeah. that you know we can all learn yeah. so much from but it also shows you that how important it is have an open mind yeah look beyond I know that um, I suppose four four years afterwards, I just knew there was something wrong, and I got in a fall and I landed on my scrotum, and um, it was really really sore. And it settled in December that year, and in January, when I was in you know uh, with Mr. Marr, my levels were slightly raised, nothing of any significance in the world, but they were slightly raised, and. Um, he it was said, look, I think we'll get another opinion. All right. Mm. And um, he put me in touch with a man called Professor John McCaffrey. And um, again, the tests were all clear, right? Scans and x-rays. And he sent me then at the time to a clinic in Germany. And they had this Ligand scanner, which picked up three little lymph nodes, which were really aggressive. And... Um, I couldn't get over um, the openness, uh, then going on a treatment, and going back in 13 weeks and having the all clear. And it's a maintenance, like in other words, what you have, you mind it. It's all the time, you know what I mean? For you sure. Mind, you mind it. Our second son is Kieran, and years ago, six ago, years ago, I said him to, he's only 18, 
to an integrated medical conference in New York and uh, the 14 and a half thousand people at it. Mm. And on the third evening, he rang me um, I talked the other day as well. But on the third evening, he was at, at a lecture given by this very renowned um, diagnostician. And he spoke about all the different x-rays and scans and the nuclear scans and DEXA scans and MRIs and, you know, um, he went on then for blood tests and analysis. He went on about skin tests, hair tests, you know, all sorts of tests, all the tests. When he hit the microphone a little bit like that, right? Yeah. And he said, all of these things are to aid us in our diagnosis, he said. Just remember, the best evidence you will ever get is sitting on the chair in front of you and how true that is. You know, mm. that good thing that you get, there's something wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so I think, you know, once we think like that, then the relationship with your doctor, your nurse, your whoever you're going to see, it becomes a different thing. Do you understand? Mm. And they can, you know, if you if you have to help them, there's no point in saying something else was happening, but I'm not going to tell him. Do you know yes, what I mean? Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's it's just so important. Do you know what I mean? It's so important. And I hope I don't make you feel uncomfortable by saying this, but I know so many people that have benefited from sessions with yourself and 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 different little bottles and yeah, teas yeah, and the whole yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of people that I've met that know you or have been in your presence say there's more to Sean than just he's not just a herbalist. He's got a gift, you know, there's something more going on there. Um, how do you feel by me saying that or what? What? Because I, I, there was a big well, intake of breath there. Yeah. Is, does that make you feel uncomfortable or is it something we can talk about? All I knew is that my mum and dad knew that there was something. Mm. something there and I had no idea of the blessed world and all I know is that if it came to smarts and brains and so on I'd have great difficulty working it out <laughs> you know what I mean so I there, must be, there must be something there there is but there's also that empathy that's there sort of with the planter you know what I mean that 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 will work or it'll help mm. like why did I not have the side effects that I should have so it's instinctual. It's instinctual as well. But also, also there's a great science there. You know what I mean? And more and more work has been done on that. And that integration um, with sort of modern medicine, as people know it, that's becoming much more open. Because what I would have found years for years is that a lot of people were involved in what you would call alternative or whatever. They were very rigid. Nothing else nothing else would work. Do you understand? And mm -hmm. like, it's not like that. But I don't think you've ever been like that, have you? Never in my life. Yeah. Never in my life. Never in my life. And, um, oh, it's, um, but again, it's people have to just, they have to do what they think is right. Do you understand? And for years, you see, people like myself who wouldn't talk about it, it showed the importance afterwards, you know, no matter where you gave a talk or a lecture, do you know what I mean? That you told it as it was, then it allowed them to explore the plant world and so on. Mm. Like you were talking about walking your bare feet. I remember one time, Dara, it was always the next event. What's next? What's next? What's next? Saying to Tina, look, we have to take him away. He needs to be earthed. He needs to be grounded. Yeah. She said, what are you talking about? And I said, look, I said he was born in a hurry. And you mentioned the 1996 All-Ireland and Dara was born five days beforehand. Ah, stop. Right? Oh, wow. Okay. And he, was, and, he was in, and he was induced, right? Okay. And, um, right. Because um, the doc felt like, Jesus, this is awful, this is awful hard and Sean. Like, do you think it was a disease? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? But uh, anyhow, um, I remember going in to collect, collect himself and Tina in the hospital. And in the ward of the coom, and the girls were all from Mayo and they had them dressed in uh -huh. the Mayo colours. <laughs> and Tina didn't even know the Mayo colours, what the Mayo colours were, which was brilliant. But <laughs> anyhow, brilliant. I remember we went away to the sun and the sea for I'd four love days. To, I'd love to have seen your reaction. Oh, it was brilliant. <laughs> oh, I'll fantastic. tell you a better one. RTE had a cameraman yeah. who expected me in the hospital to get me going in. And I said, no, this isn't right. There's people not well in here. Okay. And I rang the hospital and the matron put me in the boot of the car and brought me in. <laughs> Right, and then it was all right coming out. Do you know what I mean? It was absolutely true, and I never—I was really no thankful to her because, like, you know yourself. I know, yeah. Hospitals can be joyous places; they can be very sad places. They you sure know. can, yeah. Yeah, and um, like, oh, the pe the person, the baby, and the person that's had the baby—that—that's you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything else doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, but anyhow, sorry, we I'm went, just visualizing no, you. No, you didn't. No, but we went. We went. Coming um, out the boot. From inside the 24 hours, mm. in the sun, the sea, walking the sea water. He was a different lad. We went three times in one year. Never there looked you back. Go. And, um, you know, um, earth had grounded. And you yeah. stop and think of the Atlantic 
sulfur, iodine, magnesium, manganese, blood vessels, repair of tissue, why are the biggest heart cells in Deauville in the world, trained in the seawater, etc., etc. And this is all part of nature. And you get people coming along, say, with lots of thyroid conditions, and they get very, very, the change of season, that pull of the earth and the moon, the effect it has. Mm. People say it doesn't matter. Well, the tides rise, that mass of water for four inches, and um, you get them to go and walk in a bog that has been skimmed. It'll settle them. It hurts them. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's mad. You know what I mean? And this is nature working at its really best. And you get sort of where we live at home in the Meiju. People mm. would walk, they'd walk around the, in, the, in their bare feet, you know, it, you know, after the winter. And any, it's so good for their feet, yeah. you know, and... Um, <clears throat> And we can all do it, and it's free. It's free, it's right, yeah, it's free, yeah. it's free, it's, 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 it's brilliant. But I, I feel it straight away, if ever I feel, you know, a bit of stress creeping in, or I'm getting yeah. a bit ratty, or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it, is right. Well, listen, after that famous male match in 96, right? Yeah. Um, honest to God, you think you were, yeah, like, it was 27 seconds of madness. Actually, in so case we haven't explained it properly here, let's give a sense of it because, you know, the rivalry as well, it felt like, you know, I suppose Mayo, God love them, and I'm a Galway woman yes. and I was born in Mayo, so yes, I feel yeah. a, a huge connection Absolutely, to Mayo. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it'll happen for them yet. But anyway, yeah. um, I suppose they felt that year was, was going to be their year. Yeah, draw, it was a draw the first day. And uh, yeah. after about eight, eight minutes. So the tension oh, and yeah. the, the yeah. build up of energy huge. going into the huge. second yeah. match. Huge. Yeah. And like um, everybody thinks it's orchestrated, not in the world. Mm. And um, but all I can tell you is the Thursday after it was saying to Tina, I said, look, it. I said, come on, let's get out of here. Mm. She said, Sean, there's not a county in Ireland you're welcome. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm going to go to Dublin. What, why would you go to Dublin? I said, you can get lost in Dublin. And so where we go? We go to Holt. So we went to Holt yeah. and we pulled in at the harbour yeah. and a car pulls in alongside me. Lar Foley, the famous Lar and Des Foley played for Dublin hurling and football. Yeah. And his wife pulled in beside us. Lar gets out of the car and like, as if he's after getting out of the tractor and he throws the big arms around me. Congratulations, Sean. Crowd of gossels. Yeah. He said, Tina, I've seen more of a jostle in the queue going up to Holy Communion. <laughs> 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 but, um, and that's, <clears throat> it's funny, it's ironic to think yeah. down the road, Yo, Kieran played this year and last year for Mayo Juniors. Isn't that mad? There you go. That's racket. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And it's and that's the way it should be. His first his first coach was John Mon. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And um, you know you know you'll find this with sport very often people that you've had huge incidents with. Yes. They become great friends afterwards because at the end of the day, um, you're thankful for having been there. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, you know it's 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 such a it's. Uh, so anybody winning an All-Ireland medal can never be taken from them. You know what I mean? It's no. just an amazing thing. It will happen for me. It will happen mm, for me. It will indeed. Yes, yeah. Okay, well, look, um, it's been an Thank absolute you. pleasure to speak to you. I know there's, there's, there's so much more. I want to just finish on a, on a few questions if I could. But sure. listening to you speak about your dad and the type of man he was and the amount you learned from him and how many parallels there were between him and you, what would he make of the man you are now, do you think? Um, I think um, I know my mother would forgive me but I know that <clears throat> I am who we, who we expect me to be mm. and why do I say that it's because um, I realised I couldn't be him the only person I could be was myself and I realised that very early on in life and um, um And, you know, I was just blessed with the two of them, and I mean that. I absolutely loved them, adored them. Like, it's, he died in May 71. I would still miss him. Um, I know he's there with me. I know he's the joint on my shoulder. And, um, mm. and I know the background herself is there. And um, I... I, don't, I know I don't have to question it. I wouldn't have, it'd be like, I remember one of the girls one time saying to Daddy, do you trust me? And I remember saying, look, if he didn't trust you, he wouldn't He wouldn't engage with you. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that's somebody that can give you or have that confidence in your belief in you that you you weren't really born with that, that belief. 
you would never would I would have doubted myself for so long. And um, oh, people often ask me, even when I got involved in sport, you know, where did that come from? I don't know. It was I just always knew that. Um, um, and I was lucky. I played into county hurling for me for twenty one years, an awful length of time. Yes, but I loved it. But I always knew that I would be helpful to get people to achieve excellence in their sport. I knew I could be good. I would be good at that. And um, but that's part of who I am. So, and like I see Phil and Josephine are alive. Francis and Pauline and Gemma are dead. The three of the girls and. Um, Great women, very different. Like Francis and Phil were as different as night and day. And they were born in the house at home twins. Two days between them. Um, and um, oh, and then there was Gemma. And Gemma travelled the world at a very early age. And it's funny, and Paulie was the artist, but the whole world would be coming down. There'd be, there'd be no worry about Paulie. Mm. She'd always, you know. And, um, and Josephine then, she was that bit younger. And... Um, um, very steadfast from a very early age I think maybe she had to be like that to survive because the others are great personalities themselves you know what I mean they were strong but again we were born in a thatched house in Dunboyne mother from, from Clune and Leitrim and daddy from Dunboyne and um, whatever the mix was even with the age difference um, I'm very thankful for it yeah, I'm sure your kids would say the same about yourself and <laughs> Tina. Come here on a, on a, on a, on a final light yeah, note, because yeah. I know we didn't even talk about it. Hurling yeah, was kind of yeah. the, the first love oh, when it came yeah, to sport. Yeah, yeah. Do you still have your hurley? I do, yeah. Or do, how yeah. many do you have? A fair <laughs> I have a few, few. anyway, yeah. You have a few. Sean, it's so been much. an absolute That's pleasure. Well. I just want to, to give you a hug now, I'll be perfectly honest. So That's for now, I'm just going to say thank you for your time, your honesty and your insights. And uh, I've got a lot out of it and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Thank you. Bless your heart and thank you. Continue success to you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Ready To Be Real Conversations. And as always, I love to get your feedback. So please feel free to get in touch with me and let me know what you think. You'll find me on Instagram or Twitter at Sheila Shoiga. And if you can take a minute to rate, review and hit subscribe, I'd be so thankful. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.